Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM-7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Coach Michael Boyle. Coach Boyle is one of my favorite reoccurring guests on the show. He's an expert in the field of strength conditioning, and his books and trainings have impacted thousands of coaches including myself. And today, Coach and I discuss unilateral versus bilateral training for both the upper and lower body. We talk about the benefits, the misconceptions, and its impact on health and performance. And for some reason, this is a massive point of contention in the strength conditioning industry. But for those of you that are listening that aren't training athletes, or you're not an athlete yourself anymore, you're like me, you're 40 years old and you're being active, I think you'll find what he says to be highly practical. And for you coaches out there, just take a deep breath and listen. There's a lot of wisdom in what he's saying. Again, I want to apologize for my audio on this episode. We're changing podcast platforms. And for some reason, my audio was a little bit affected with Coach Boyle. And there's another episode that's going to have the same problem, but the content is fantastic. And it's just brief periods of time with me. But before we get started, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button on whichever listening platform you are joining us from. And this way, you'll never miss an episode of The Blueprint. But now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Coach, the first time I ever heard of you, this is 2003 or 4. I'm a young strength coach just getting started. And at that time, there were very few people that really had an internet presence, and you were one of them. And first I read your book, Functional Training, and then I started reading about this kind of controversy, which there really is no controversy about unilateral versus bilateral training. For people out there that may be novices to exercise a double leg squat versus a single leg squat. Let's talk about that. Like, Why should people be training on one leg versus two legs all the time? What are the benefits of specifically looking at like long-term health? Well, I, one, I always say life is a game that's played on one leg at a time. Let's be honest. When you really think about the number of things that you are going to do bilaterally, there is basically one to two a day, <laughs> if we can <laughs> be less than graphic. Okay? How many times are you going to sit down in the toilet and stand up? That will be the sum total of your bilateral activity for the day. But we, meaning strength and conditioning coaches, the exercise in public, whatever it is, have been so heavily influenced over the years by sports like bodybuilding or Olympic lifting or powerlifting that all we ever saw was bilateral squatting. And we never mm. asked the question of the most simple question, does this really make sense? Is this in from a life preparation standpoint? And that's one of the things when I first started talking about this idea of function from a purposeful position, does this make sense for me day to day? And if you look at running, walking, climbing stairs, pretty much anything that you're going to do is going to be unilateral in nature. And if you look at it and think, and then you get into the idea of, does it make sense to pile a heavy load on my spine in order to get better at this action, the bilateral action of going up and down? And for us, this all emanated out of uh, college football players' back pain. That's where it started from. Wait a second. We got all these guys who have sore backs. And what we realized is that the driver of sore backs in college football was primarily back squatting. So that just yeah. led us into that that sort of head scratching, like, hmm, how necessary is this really? And then that led us down the whole functional training, Gary Gray. There was a whole path that sort of we meandered down in this process. But the end result of going down that path was thinking, wow, 
it's a unilateral game. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I really, really, really don't know why we do this bilateral stuff. And then when you start to look at neurology, you start to think about things like bilateral deficit and you start to look at some of the research and you realize that we're not even very efficient bilaterally. We're probably less efficient. Our, prob- our body probably doesn't recognize this heavy bilateral effort because it's so far. And I always say to somebody, if I tell most people to throw a baseball, they can do it pretty well. If I tell somebody to simultaneously throw two baseballs, they can't do it nearly as well because they can't. I'm trying to picture about, this in my mind. It would look right. weird. Think, think, think about trying to coordinate yourself and say, how far could I throw two baseballs? And you think, well, I can't because I'm this beautifully neurologically designed rotational diagonal system, right? And that's what allows me to throw objects great distances. That's what allows me to dunk a basketball. That That's what allows so many of these things to happen in, in a really a very synchronous manner. And then we think heavy bilateral load. There's some people who've written about this bilateral deficit idea. Bilateral deficit, for people who don't recognize, is basically the idea that the good illustration is hand grip dynamometer. Mm-hmm. If I give you a hand grip dynamometer and I let you squeeze it with two hands, let's just say you get a score of 100, just to make the numbers easy. If I then said do, do right hand and then do left hand, that score is going to total more than 100. The, the sum of my right plus my left is going to be greater than the sum of the two together. That's what they call a bilateral deficit. And bilateral deficit shows up a lot. It shows up in hand grip dynamometry. It shows up in things like leg extension. If I sat and did a double leg leg extension, I would be able to do more if I did single leg right, single leg left, and added the two together. And what people seem to think is it probably shows a neurological preference for unilateral. And then I go back like two baseball thing, right? If you say to somebody, jump up and touch the rim of the basketball, right? Very few people will walk up to the basket and jump off two legs and try to touch the rim. Most everybody will realize I'm going to get my highest jump if I run in and I jump off of one leg. If I'm right-handed, I'm going to jump off my left leg. I have a, in my mind, my brain has a very firm imprint of preferred neurology. It realizes that left foot, right hand is what works the best to Mm -hmm. to take advantage again of that rotational diagonal system that we've put together so greatly, right? But I look at it and think if you listen to the bilateral people, they would say, well, if you jumped off two legs, you'll jump twice as high. And I'm like, actually, no, you won't even come close to twice as high. And most people won't jump as high. And then people say, oh, that's- Do you do the long jump off of two legs? Right, everything. It's And so I guess my point is, when you keep scraping back off the surface, what you come up with is this very old conventional, this is the way we always did it sort of training style that, that says things like, oh, squat is the king of all lifts. You know, if you're not squatting, you're not working kind of thing. And I just, I started to question it. And the more I questioned it, the more holes there were in it for me. I personally always struggle with low back pain throughout my college career. And I would attribute it to squatting. Pulling was no problem. I have not put a bar on my back in years. I do like to do trap bar deadlift, but I've transitioned to mostly single leg exercises and never putting a bar on my back. And when you do this, you also become keenly aware of, like you said, the deficit between legs. Now, I want to throw a curveball at you. What about unilateral upper body training? Do you think it applies as well? Like that we should be doing mostly things single armed upper body? It's interesting. I don't think it applies as much because I don't think we do as many force production activities, high level force production activities with our upper body like we do with our lower body. I don't think there is an upper body equivalent to sprinting or jumping that 
that sort of mandates Boxing, that maybe. type of yeah exactly maybe and again i think if i had a, an upper body activity that was really primarily unilateral i might think about that more like boxing but the other thing you realize is that like let's take pitching pitching is exclusively unilateral and they probably benefit from bilateral training for the exact reverse reason that we were mm-hmm. talking about so you take someone who all they're doing is this excessive unilateral activity and you may achieve some structural balance by having them trained bilaterally. And I think you see that kind of conventionally in baseball. There isn't a big push in baseball to unilateral train. But the other thing, and somebody brought up this thing, is dumbbell training unilateral when you take yeah. the linkage of the bar away? Because one of the things I noticed, I was lucky enough to be at the Red Sox when we had an amazing pitching staff. We had John Lester and Jake Peavy and Andrew Miller and uh, Josh Beckett, John Lackey. Like we had just a literal all-star team just of pitchers. And not one of those guys bench pressed preferentially. I no, None of them ever asked me. I never asked them to bench press. None of them are ever <laughs> asked me to bench press. But I think that's really interesting when you realize that that this very elite list of people will self-select out of an exercise that we consider to be really important. Yeah. So for general population, do you kind of have a rule of thumb of like what percentage of your training should be single leg or do you just say everything should be single leg? So uh, we're like you, we still trap our deadlift and and I could get into, you know, I think with trap our deadlift, you eliminate, uh, I always say the low back doesn't like three things. It doesn't like compression. It doesn't like shear and it doesn't like rotational forces. And when we trap our deadlift, we eliminate compression because the bar is no longer on your back. We eliminate shear because the bar is no longer high on your spine. The bar is very much, you're literally standing in the middle of the bar. I always go back. It's like this Steve Martin with the arrow through his head. The old skits, but um, you're literally inside of the bar. And then those, that, those rotational forces are dissipated because your torque producer, the trap bar, is two feet shorter than the torque producer of your Olympic bar. The plates on the trap bar are very close to the body and they therefore will produce much less torque if you get out of position. Like you get a little out of position in a squat, you get two or three degrees out of position in a squat, that's a really big problem with a seven foot bar and maybe four plates on either end of the bar. You get that same two degrees on the trap bar, it's a significantly smaller problem. So for us, I would probably say major lift 75, 25, 25 being trap bar deadlift, 75% 75% being gator squat, one leg squat, slideboard lunge, one leg straight leg deadlift, those types of things that we're going to really load up. That's perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate the practical kind of tie in at the end because this is something that people I think could really benefit from for the long run. And that's what I'm thinking about is how I'm in my 40s now. Like, what do I need to be doing? So I'm still functional, still play with my kids, but also protect that things are important like my back. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what I think the biggest thing that we have to look at, too. I was having that conversation, actually, with a couple that came in to visit us today. And I think the moment you're no longer an athlete, you have to start thinking about your training differently. You have to start thinking about, uh, we always talk about the idea that I think the big acid test, how do you feel in the morning? How do you feel when you get out of bed? That tells me more. Whenever I ask anybody about anything, it's like, how did you feel this morning when you get out of bed? And if you're training and you're not feeling better when you get out of bed in the morning, then I think you're probably training wrong. If you get out and we're like, oh, man, you know, I, I was I was aching, you know, whether my back, my knees, my shoulder, whatever it was, you know, more than the norm. Because I think all of us, as we get old, yeah. that time, when that first five minutes is a little rough. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show with Coach Boyle, do me a favor. Take a picture of the podcast art. 
and post it on social media and make sure to tag Coach Boyle and myself and put something in there about what you learned. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.